It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now, Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. All right, what's up, everybody? Pushing the limits on a Tuesday. So glad you could join us on a very, very, very busy news day. There's so much going on. We are broadcasting everywhere, not just live on KSHP 1400, but uh, all over the place. TikTok, we are on Twitter. We are on our YouTube fan page, which is PTL Vegas. We're on our Facebook fan page, uh, video and audio for your viewing pleasure. And so glad you could be with us. A lot to get to. Of course, this tragic story of this earthquake that took place in Turkey and Syria. It's just, it's just awful. Uh, got to get to that. Boy, we don't really have to worry too much about that uh, in this country. We have earthquakes now and then, but nothing like this. We're going to get to that. Of course, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, this uh, Chinese balloon situation. We'll get to that in hour number two and talk a little bit about that fallout in the Biden administration, or uh, maybe it's unwarranted. We'll get to that as well. Uh, a lot of stuff to get to. There's a congressman on the House floor that is passing out AR-15 pins to replace American flag pins. Folks, you cannot make this stuff up. We'll talk about that as well. To talk about all these issues and more, uh, it's been a little while since uh, Michelle and I have been in studio together at the same time. Of course, I was gone for two weeks, uh, the loss of my sister, and but it is good to be back here and uh, uh, try to get back to some sense of normalcy. And uh, Michelle joining me here on Tuesday. Michelle, thank you so much for being here. Good to see you. How are you? Good to see you as well. Welcome back home. I know it's been... Um it's been a tough couple of weeks and we mm-hmm. were sad to see you go and sad to hear about your personal um, tragedy and Thank all you. our best to you and your family. But uh, we are glad to have you here at home. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to it's good to be back and be around good friends and, and getting, you know, back into the swing of things. Of course, uh, you know, there's a part of me that has died. Yeah. And, I, and I will never get that back. And, and it's like, I, I can't even sleep. I'm, I'm struggling to sleep. And uh, obviously, all I think about is my sister. But uh, it is good to come in here and and to get back to some sense of normalcy again and be around good friends and be back here in Las Vegas. So, Michelle, as you know, tonight is the State of the Union address. Uh, This is a big deal uh, for any presidency, of course. Tonight, Joe Biden will be speaking in Washington. It starts at 6 p.m. our time, 9 p.m. on the East Coast, of course. And uh, obviously, I have uh, a lot of things that I want to say about the Joe Biden administration in two years. I'm sure you do as well. Um, But let me start by asking you this question before I even give my commentary on it. What would you like to hear from Joe Biden tonight in the State of the Union address, positives and negatives in the first two years that he's taken office as a Republican? What are your thoughts? I think one of the things we definitely need to hear from him is um, some realism about the economy. I think what I we will hear is I'm the greatest president of all time. I've done great. (laughs) I'm being facetious, but uh, I'm the greatest president. The job numbers are amazing, and everything is awesome. Um, Almost like that Lego song. Everything is awesome. Like that could be playing in the background the whole time. I hate that song, by the way. (laughs) I hate that song too. But everything is awesome. (laughs) Oh my God, your kids listen to that song. Yes, but it's very 
very, very catchy. It's the worst. And it stays in your mind, and you're like, ah. And every time I hear everything is awesome, that's like all I can think of, right? Um, so that's kind of what I think you're going to hear. But I think the truth of the matter is, is even though the jobs report numbers are good, uh, the, the facts remain that people do not feel like they are better off economically today than they were uh, previously. Um, regardless, we are in a tough time economically. People aren't seeing the wage growth that they would like to see, uh, the cost of everyday goods, the housing crisis. So I think we need to talk about the economy in ways that we hope to overcome and surpass what is happening. I mean, we're hearing from the Fed, they might raise interest rates again. Holy guacamole. Like, I don't know how any of us are going to handle that. If you have a balance on a credit card, you're probably already shaking in your boots. If they raise it even more, my God, what are you going to do, right? I know these are not some of your favorite topics to talk about, but people overall um, definitely want to address the economy. And I think this is a time where rather than hearing a bunch of bashing, like Democrats are awesome and Republicans suck, I think this is a time for a lot more unity and maybe uh, trying to have a more unifying message, like let's work together, let's come together, let's find out what we can work mm -hmm. on, let's find out what we can agree on and going forward. Because he's in a very unique position uh, being 2023. Um, this is a time where... Let's be honest. If he had decided he wasn't going to run for president again, he could go in there and he could be touting all the great things he did and everybody would get, he would have a boost in his approval ratings and everyone would freaking love him so much and he would just have this huge boost. But what's probably going to happen is he's kind of gearing up for, I'm going to run for president again. So he's, he's kind of gearing up for where I'm going to take the country in the next year, what I think is going to happen. And oh, by the way, I also want you to vote for me next year. So I, in that respect, I, I think we're going to see a lot from him. Um, and I think we could see a very combative uh, Biden who's like, hey, the Republicans are taking us in the wrong direction. I'm taking you in the right direction. Look at all the great things I've done while also ignoring the fact that economically we're really not that much better off. And, and that's how people genuinely feel. It's one thing to have politicians tell you, oh, no, you're wrong. You are better off today than you were yesterday. But the truth of the matter is, you know how, you know how it is in your own home. And you know if it's harder for you to buy groceries. You know if it's harder for you to pay your bills. And, and you can't have a politician try to tell you, oh, no, you're wrong. I've created a better economy for you when that's not the case in your everyday life. So, I'm going to quote Ben Shapiro, and I can't believe I'm going to do this because I can't stand that little weasel. <laughs> but Ben Shapiro says, facts don't care about your feelings. And as you said, this poll that came out, and I don't know how many people were polled, and I don't know how accurate it is, but apparently the 63% number keeps popping up that 63% of Americans feel like they're not better off today than they were two years ago. Well, almost 7 out of 10 Republicans also still believe that Donald Trump won the 2020 election. Point being, some of these people are uninformed. They're uneducated and they don't get their information from credible news sources. So I will start by saying that. Um, number two, you could make the argument that Joe Biden has got more accomplished in the last two years than maybe any president has accomplished in modern day history. I will explain. First of all, just in the last week, he's reunited 700 kids that were kidnapped by ICE at the border. I'd say that's a pretty big accomplishment. We have the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. The unemployment rate is 3.5%. These are not opinions that I'm giving you. These are facts. We just had recently the largest infrastructure bill in modern day history. 
Prescription drugs have finally lowered. Didn't happen under the Trump administration. Insulin has been lowered. That's because of Joe Biden and a bill that was put forward. We've had a boom in manufacturing. The PACT Act, the CHIPS Act, bipartisan gun legislation. When was the last time we had that? The Inflation Reduction Act, an expansion of NATO, the American Rescue Plan, the confirmation of Justice Jackson. Now, I know there might be some people in this country that might not like black people that are uh, Supreme Court justices. I tend to think that's a good thing for the country. Unfortunately, some people might not agree with me on that one. The Safer Communities Act, the Respect for Marriage Act, which I think is very important, particularly to the LGBT community, killed one of the top al-Qaeda leaders. You know, Trump would still be raving about that if he did that. Um, gas prices are have been going down for quite some time. Inflation has been going down for quite some time. Joe Biden is not perfect, but he has a long list of accomplishments and what he's been able to do in the last two years. And that's just to name just a few of the things. I'm Not even to mention uh, the thing that Jon Stewart was involved in with our brave men and women in uniform that are having trouble breathing. Joe Biden was a, Joe Biden was a huge part of that as well. Now, you could take things from the Trump administration and, and go down a list of the things that he did, and I would probably agree with some of those things. But the, the act by some that the sky is falling and Joe Biden is a terrible president and, and 63% of Americans aren't better today than they were two years ago. You know, it's incredible. I was I got into an argument with somebody the other day because he was blaming Joe Biden for why he lost his job a year ago, right? Obviously, it had nothing to do with Joe Biden. I don't think the president has a lot to do with why certain people lose their jobs. But I said, how are you doing now? And he said, oh, I got a great job three months ago. I said, okay, will you give Joe Biden credit for that? No, that was my own doing. I said, no, 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 no. You can't have it both ways. If you want to blame the president for losing a job, then you should probably give the president some credit for getting a job. Now, I choose to do neither. I think we all in our own destiny. And, uh, you know, if you work hard enough, you know, and, and, and you do your due diligence, you will find a job. But, you know, for the people that blame Joe Biden for for all their problems, it's like, it's like, dude, look at the things that he's actually accomplished in the last two years. And if you're not, you know, so biased on one side of the aisle, you could actually take a couple steps back and say, you know what? Joe Biden's actually accomplished a lot. He's not perfect. He certainly has made some mistakes. He's old. Yes, we all agree on that. But you look at this list of some of the things that he's been able to accomplish. It's pretty darn good, if you ask me. And he should be able to talk about that and brag about that tonight, Michelle. Well, okay. So according to this poll that was taken that we've been citing that was taken between January 27th and February 1st of 2023, only questioning 1,003 U.S. adults. Um, which is nothing, by the which way. Which is nothing. So <laughs> right, it's a, it's a right. very small sampling. And right. I don't think polls are indic- indicative of everything. But the one thing that I, I, I will disagree with you on is this, is that you said, well, oh, people are misinformed, so they just don't know. I think that, a lot that, of people that, are. But here's where I think you, you can't take that argument. So people are not misinformed when it comes to their own money. So when people are living in their home and paying their bills and they're paying their groceries and they're filling their cars with gas and they know that they're not getting the raises that they need with the cost of inflation and they see that their minimum payments on their credit cards are going up higher because of interest rates constantly going up and they know that they are not making more money, but they are spending more money. So they are economically not better off. They know that and the government and a poll and nothing else can tell them they are wrong because they know their money and they know their finances. 
finances. And it's such, it's such, uh, elitism to be, to have the government sit there and say, Oh, I know better. Actually, you are better off. Look at my jobs report. No, things are better. I've done so many great things. No, if you are financially struggling, you don't need anyone to tell you, Oh, I'm so sorry. You're wrong. You're misinformed. You're just not smart enough to know any better. No, the one thing you know about more than anything are your own personal finances. And the truth of the matter is that the most, the majority of Americans, I'm not talking about the uber rich and I'm not talking about the uber poor, but I'm talking about the regular old middle class are not doing better than they were two years ago because the facts are the facts. We kind of are in a recession. Things are costing more and wages are not increasing at the rate of inflation. Those are just facts. Well, I would say that it's not the president's responsibility if you've made some bad investments or made some poor decisions in your life and your bank account. But it doesn't have anything to, to do with bad investments. But look at the unemployment numbers. That doesn't mean but anything un- to you. But just because you're employed doesn't mean that you're gainfully employed. It doesn't mean People that you're- People were making more money two years ago but than now? it doesn't, not when everything is costing more. So two years ago, when you could get a, 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 you could get a dozen eggs for, you know, three or four bucks, and now you can get it for 10 to 12 bucks, you can't- it's, Where are it's, you spending $10? for eggs. I saw it was at $2. Albertsons and at Costco. If you can even get them at Costco, because I've made we've made two or three runs at Costco, and there's just not even eggs on the shelves. I was at Smith's yesterday. It was two ninety nine for that. Eggs. There are the avian flu has. There's different prices at different stores. Okay, mm-hmm. so you know I'm not going to have the the war of well at my Smith it was cheaper think, and at this Albertsons it's not. But the fact remains that the price of eggs has gone up considerably. The price of flour has gone up considerably. The price of milk has gone up considerably. The price of meat and chicken and grain, it's all gone up considerably. So you cannot make these arguments, particularly as a single male who is not raising a family. So when we're talking about households that have two, three, four kids, married couples, dual income families that are not being able to meet the needs the way they were because costs have gone up and wages have not gone up to the rate of inflation, we can't just say, oh, you're so sorely misinformed. It's simply not true. And it's disingenuous to tell people that like, no, you're not struggling. And it's because you made bad investments. Oh, it's because you bought too many iPhones. Oh, it's because you're shopping too much at Best Buy. That is, that is, that is so disrespectful. That is not what the majority, well, I think there are a lot of people who make horrible financial decisions. That is not the crux of what we're going with here. Things just cost more and wages are not going up at the rate of inflation. Unemployment shows a snapshot. It shows a picture of the economy. It does not show the entire picture of the economy. So my point is pretty simple, which is there are certain things that are out of a president's control. Uh, first of all, global pandemic. I never blamed Donald Trump for the pandemic. I did blame him for a lot of other things in, involving the pandemic, but I didn't blame him for the pandemic coming here. Uh, certainly, uh, the response to it was pathetic. It was an F minus, but we had something called the global pandemic. Um, we've had inflation for decades and decades, uh, comes back and forth, comes around. And we've had ups and downs with the economy when it comes to unemployment or, for example, the price of eggs. What I get frustrated with is people that want to say it's Joe Biden's fault. And then when I ask them, what did he do and what did he implement and what policies did he put in place in the last two years that you think raised the price of eggs and the reason why you lost your job? 
and they have no answer. And that's what I mean, Michelle, when I mean misinformed. I'm not doubting that there are still a lot of people in this country that are struggling. They're struggling financial. Maybe they lost their business. Maybe they lost their job. I'm not, I'm not debating that. What I am debating is when people look at that 63% figure, and by the way, it's only a thousand people, uh, which is absurd, by the way. And you take that 63% because you have maybe six or 700 people that might be struggling and maybe they want to blame Joe Biden for all their problems. My issue is I have some of the policies that Joe Biden has put in place and I can't name you a policy that would lead me to believe that that's why your eggs have gone up and that's why inflation and that's why gas people want to blame Joe Biden for the gas prices. They want to blame him for how much your eggs are. That's where I take issue and I use the term uninformed because if you watch right-wing media, Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, those types of people, and you listen to people that are right-wing pundits on Twitter and social media, they will lead you to believe that all of the problems that you have in your life are the fault of Democrats and Joe Biden. And that is what is disingenuous. And that is what is not true. Now, you can disagree with some of the policies. You could have alternative, which it seems to me that many Republicans have no alternatives on policy and what they would do different. But what I can tell you is that I do believe at this stage, two years with the State of the Union address tonight, that Joe Biden has gotten a lot accomplished. And I named you some of those things that he has accomplished. Are things perfect? Absolutely not. Gas prices have been going down for quite some time. Inflation has been going down for quite some time. People are back to work. 3.5 unemployment rate is phenomenal. I don't think inflation has been going down. I the think prices, that's a misnomer. The, well, no, if you look at the <laughs> prices of groceries, especially in the last several months, prices have started to climb down, not upward. They are going down if you look at the prices. Uh, is Wait, it perfect? Last no. month, we did see inflation numbers go down, the overall inflation numbers go down. But I don't. I think it would be too premature to be saying, man, we're on the right side of inflation. Because if we were on the right side of inflation, it was going down. The Fed would not be saying, oh my God, we might have to raise interest rates again. So every time they meet, they're raising interest rates. So it it that is too premature. And if you're following what's going on in the economy, and what all economists, whether you're a right economist or a left economist, are saying is that we are on the verge of another recession, that interest rates are going to go up again, and that inflation is still a very big problem. So we can't, that would be disingenuous and misinformation to say that inflation is not going to continue to be an issue here in 2023. Well, I'm just looking at the recent trends. And, uh, okay, and but that, that trend is not is not the overall trend of what's going on in the economy. So while we had that trend happen in the month of January with the inflationary numbers, which I can tell you, which we could say was a good thing, it's not the overall trend. Uh, because if it were, the Fed would not be saying, oh my God, I'm going to raise your rates again. So it, I, I'm just saying, looking at it from that perspective, don't get too excited and don't give people that type of hope. It would be better to be far more cautious and say, hey, I don't know what going to happen here in 2023 than to say we're on we're on the right side of this one. Yeah, now. it's not that it's not that I'm trying <laughs> to give people hope or trying to get people excited. It's more along the lines of what I'm trying to say, which is here's the things that Joe Biden has accomplished in two years. If there are some policies that he's put forth that you think have hurt the economy, then I'm open to listening to them. But when I hear right wing pundits on Fox News, uh, you know, or some of those other networks that I think are trash. Um, they don't come up with specific policies. But here's the problem. And I think this is kind of maybe what those pundits miss in saying and that no one's probably articulated very well. But if we look at the modern presidents of my lifetime, so if we're going to look through Reagan through Biden, um, mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan faced very difficult economic times and an economic boom. Um, 
George Bush, his demise was him saying no new taxes. Basically, that's why he did not win. Um, and so in 1992, we saw Clinton take office and we saw the, the boom of, of Clinton, economic boom with Clinton, but things were not very good in the beginning of the early 90s when Clinton was elected. It's one of the reasons why he was elected. Um, George W. Bush, of course, we had 9-11, 9/11 so things were very tough. Um, uh, but then things got a little bit better. Then, of course, with Obama, we had the Great Recession. Um, with Trump, we had some good times. And then we had COVID, of course, probably some of the worst economic times we've ever had. So you go, well, why would anybody blame, you know, Biden for all the problems? Every single president in my lifetime has had these ups and downs with the economy. So much of it has to do with, are you a likable president? And are you a trustworthy president? For example, Obama faced one of the worst recessions, the Great Recession, one of the most difficult times of our economy of all time. Yet people were very confident in the leadership that Obama presented so much so that he was easily elected in two terms. We also saw that with Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan's second term, he was easily reelected where he won every single state in the Electoral College but one. So what does that tell you? There's something about the way that these gentlemen have presented themselves that has exuded confidence in the nation. I think more so than what Biden has or has not done or has or has not accomplished is, and this is one of the polls that I've seen, is people overall are just not as trustworthy of Biden. I think they voted for him in 2020 because they thought he was going to be the great unifier. I thought they thought he was far more trustworthy than Donald Trump. I think they were just tired of Trump. I agree with that. (laughs) But I think at the end of the day, I think they've been somewhat disappointed with who Joe Biden is. And I'm not necessarily sure that people overall, because you even have Democrats, um, very strong Democrats with the New York Times and other industries who are saying, man, I really don't want him to run in 2024. Well, I think that's for other reasons. But I don't, whether it's the economy or not, I think it has nothing to do with that as much as I don't think he exudes much confidence in people. So I think people overall have not really embraced him as a president, as someone who they trust and someone who they say, yeah, I want to give this guy another four years. They're not giving him credit for what he has done. They're not, they don't give him much credit for anything. And he's somewhat discredited. It's amazing he's done as well as he has done in so many, he's somewhat of an anomaly to me. You know, the fact that he didn't get crucified more in the midterms, he's just, he's, gosh, he is a duck. Everything just goes off of his back. He is Teflon more so than Bill Clinton. And it really is, it will be an interesting case study years from now to look at the Biden presidency. But I don't think overall that he's very well liked or trusted. Whereas people like Obama, W, Reagan, Clinton, these people were well liked and trusted. Even if you shouldn't have trusted them, they were. I think that's what the real problem is with Joe Biden. He's not well liked. He's not trusted. Well, and when I use the term, when you use the term trust, I chuckle a little bit because we just had Donald Trump. And uh, I don't think there's any person with an IQ over 20 that would trust Donald Trump. So that would be what I would say there. Number two, what is Joe Biden? Where is his lie? Where is it that he's promised something? He hasn't done it. Uh, We're going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. Donald Trump ran on that. That never happened. Sometimes the trust of a president isn't based on, oh, well, you know, where did you lie to me here? Sometimes it really is based on how you exude yourself and how you function with the American people. Sometimes one of the things that Obama did so well was that he was always so communicative with the American people. He was always talking with the American people. He was always, uh, 
so accessible with the media. That's something that Bill Clinton did so well as uh, did well as well. He's also 30 years younger. It's something that Ronald Reagan yeah. did so brilliantly, even though media was different back then. It was something that Ronald Reagan was a master at. One of the things that I will say probably will, in hindsight, be one of the things that will be looked badly at with the Biden presidency is there has not been a lot of transparency. He has not made himself readily available with media. He has been very caustic and kind of cautious and hidden. They are very cautious. It, it, Peers that they are very cautious with Biden of making potential blunders and having mistakes. So they don't let him off the leash very often. Even if he's at a, 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 a uh, Easter egg hunt thing at the White House, they'll get the Easter bunny to come and like push him aside. Like, oh, don't let him say anything. We don't want him to screw anything up. He's fallen off his bike. I think it's more his personal, the way he has kind of presented himself to the world, to the nation that has created that lack of trust. Whereas other presidents, ones that I've liked and ones that I've disliked have done a far better job of it. And I would, I would say Obama, Clinton, W, Bush one, Reagan, all of them far superior to Biden. All of them far superior. Well, I'm, I'm, listen, Joe Biden wasn't my first, second or third pick, but I will say this for sure. If you're going to talk about trust and transparency, in my personal opinion, and I think probably I would hope a lot of people would agree with me on this, there is far more trust and transparency with this administration than the prior administration. It is like night and day. And I remind you that Donald Trump went 18 months without holding one press conference. Joe Biden has not done that. During Trump's presidency, he literally went, the guy who loves the cameras, who is an egomaniac, they would not let him in front of the cameras for 18 months. Joe Biden is old. And here is where we disagree. There are a lot of people like myself, by the way, Michelle, who has openly said, I do not want Joe Biden to run again. It's not because I don't trust Joe Biden. It's not because I don't think he's transparent or trustworthy. It's not because I think he's discredited. The people that try to discredit Joe Biden are the ones who talk about Hunter Biden's laptop on Fox Noise. The reason why I don't want Joe Biden to run is probably the reason why a lot of Democrats don't want Joe Biden to run independence. And it is because he is old. He is old. And because he's old, he, he he's not the great speaker that he once was. I don't know if he was ever a great speaker. Never at, at Obama's level. He was far more charming when he was well, far more with it. He's almost 80 years old. Right. I'm just saying. When I, mean, he was, I, mean, I mean, you know, this he is VP, normal. He was far more charming yeah. than he is today. So to me, it, it, a lot of people that don't want Joe Biden around, it's not because they don't trust him or they think he's this horrible guy, like so many people that refuse to vote for Donald Trump like myself. It's because he's old. I want somebody younger in there. I don't want Kamala Harris to run. I want somebody younger in office, Republican or Democrat. So I don't think, in my opinion, listen, if you ask Republicans, you know, if they got a hangnail, they're going to, they're going to blame Joe Biden for it. You know, there's a lot of Republicans out there that don't have any credibility. They, they, they've supported Donald Trump. They stood by him and uh, they continue to do so. So I don't want to hear anybody that still stands. I know I'm not talking about you, Michelle, but a lot of Republicans out there that still stand by Donald Trump and they want to call Joe Biden uh, somebody that's not trustworthy. It's a joke. You're, you're an imbecile. If, if you're one of those people that says Joe Biden's not trustworthy, but hey, that's my guy, the orange turd Donald Trump. I, I, just, I I'm sorry. Those people have zero credibility. I know, Michelle, you don't support Donald Trump uh, anymore, at least. And, and, and I understand that. And I understand that there are people out there that don't like Joe Biden. They don't like a lot of things about Joe Biden. Um, but I'm just giving you the list of his accomplishments and the things that he has done. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. And I'll ask Michelle when we come back 
Uh, what do you want to hear from Joe Biden today? Not what you expect to hear from Joe Biden today, but as a Republican, what do you want to hear from Joe Biden today? Those are two completely different things. And I'm also going to open up the phone lines. Um, your thoughts on Joe Biden at the two-year mark, the State of the Union address tonight, the number to call, 702-221-7283. Now is the number to call into the show. So that number again, 702 702- 221-7283, 221-SAVE, 221-7283. Uh, questions, comments, Joe Biden's first two years in office. Do you agree with me that Joe Biden, arguably his first two years in office, has accomplished more than any president has in their first two years? Or do you take Michelle's side? And do you feel like it's more of things he didn't accomplish and, 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 and why your eggs are more and why your gas is more? Uh, 221-7283 will take your calls on the other side. Take a quick break. Be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment, and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement, and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. It's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you, his relationships with the prosecutors and judges, and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Hey, everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub? When you can be a hero. Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and the latest lines on every game. 
STN Sports even lets you earn rewards on every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino, Fiesta Wildfire, or the El Cortez. Details at the Sportsbooks. A great time! Your entertainment destination, the South Point, invites you to experience the ultimate great time under one roof. Bowling, dancing, a live show, a movie, delicious dining, and one of South Point's 11 restaurants. So much to see, so much to do. You won't know where to start first. This week, make it a South Point week and discover for yourself why the South Point is your entertainment destination for a great time. The Klondike Casino is a friendly local spot that features their signature restaurant, the Klondike Grill, serving up fresh food fast. Open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner just off the 95 Freeway on Sunset Road in Henderson. You will find the Klondike Casino, featuring all your favorite games from the Strip in the comfort of a neighborhood casino. You can place a bet at their full-service sports book, or start your day with a breakfast plate that comes with your choice of potato and toast. Or check us out for lunch or dinner and try one of our many sandwiches, like the popular beer-battered fish sandwich or the Philly cheesesteak. Check out the full menu at Klondike's sunset.com All right, welcome back. It is uh, pushing the limits on a Tuesday. So glad you could join us. Joe Biden State of the Union address is going to be tonight at 6 p.m. Of course, we're going to cover it all for you tomorrow. Michelle will be back tomorrow, and she's going to suffer through another two hours with Brian Shapiro. But uh, but uh, but I uh, appreciate Michelle being here, the eight-time Emmy winner, joining us, taking the side of Republicans, which I appreciate. I want to hear uh, differences of opinions, and we're talking about uh, – what do you expect from the State of the Union address? Uh, what do you think of Joe Biden's first two years in office? And um, Michelle, what do you say we get right to the phone calls, huh? Yeah, yeah. Why don't we do that? Who should we start with? Maybe we should start with John. Why don't we lead off with John on this one, uh, if that's okay? Uh, John, uh, good to hear from you, my friend. Thank you for calling in. Uh, how are you? Guys. Hey, John. Um, Michelle, I gave you a heads up uh, last week that I was going to th- throw down a challenge for you. Yeah. And, uh, Ryan, you're involved in this challenge. Uh-oh. And uh, I don't mean to be hyperbolic in any way, shape, or form, but this could be the biggest phone call both of your careers. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Ooh. Wow, that's a lot of pressure. Okay. At, Michelle? It's not a laughing matter. I'm, very, I'm 100% sure this could be one of the greatest phone calls in American history. Okay, I'm very excited. Right, I think I it was more wait. nervous laughter, John. More nervous laughter. <laughs> And I want to enlist both of you fine Americans sitting down here uh, at the at the granular level on a local sleepy radio station trying to solve our badly, badly broken democracy. And I respect and appreciate both of you immensely. What is the number one problem? Why is our – first of all, let me just state one thing. I believe in shooting for the stars. I believe you aim as high as you possibly can. And if you miss, what's the worst can happen? Um, but if we miss on this plan, Brian and Michelle can become superstars in the broadcasting industry, have name recognition all throughout America. <laughs> so here we go. 
What's the number one problem? What is the root cause of this dysfunction in our democracy? It's so bad, it actually has me thinking of moving to another country. Partisan, what is the root cause? Easy, easy answer for me. Partisan politics. Caring about more about your team than what is in the good of the country. Caring more about whether you're a Republican or a Democrat instead of an American and doing what's good for the American people. Caring more about yourself rather than others. I would probably say it's um, a lack of trust in anything. Okay. I, I would say both of those are symptoms and not causes. I would say that the root cause in this dysfunction in America is money in politics. Hmm. And we have ginormous corporations uh, after Citizens United, even foreign companies can make unlimited campaign contributions. And I just keep coming back to this sick feeling that the power brokers, the real, the people with the real money, they're controlling, they're pulling all the strings, they're, 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 they're dictating everything, they're fomenting the hate and the fear, and they want us to fight at each other's throat so they can slip billions and billions of dollars through the back door. So, here's my proposal. You guys are sitting down, right? Yes. <laughs> Michelle, you remember you're a Reagan fan, I voted for Reagan. Yes. Do you remember what the top marginal tax rate was? When Reagan took office? No, I was way too young to. I mean, I could have looked that information up, but no, I don't know that. It, it was it was in the seventies. It was seventy. I think I believe it was seventy nine percent. It was almost seventy or eighty percent. Okay? okay, it was outrageously high. And a sleepy old guy from Boston, from Weston, went to Harvard, named Grover Norquist, developed a simple little two sentence pledge. And he stuck it in front of everybody running for political office and said, sign this. And basically it says, I won't, I promise not to raise taxes. Yep, I'm very familiar That's with it. that. Okay, it's the American, what is it, a, uh, taxpayer relief, something like that. It's a tax pledge that Norquist developed. It's so brilliant. It was two sentences long. And he just stuck it in front of them and said, sign this. And if he didn't sign it, he would go on all the media outlets and, and say, you know, Joe Blow didn't sign it, and Joe Blow wants to be your uh, your uh, representative in your district. Um, and it was extremely powerful. Yes. Now, here we are. The powers that be, they, they have all the money, the Cokes and the Soroses and the and the Adelsons. They, they, they're controlling everything. We're just playing for peanuts down here, really, seriously, if you think about it. Um, and, and the machine is never going to stop, right? It's it's never going to there's never going to be a moment of enlightenment. But John, let me let me John, let me go back to what's going on tonight, which is uh the state of the union address Joe Biden. I named you some of his uh, accomplishments that he's had over the last 2 years. What do you want to hear from him tonight? Oh my god, Brian, you just shut me down. No, it's not that I'm that's shutting you it's not that I'm shutting you down. It's that, you know, I I want to know cuz that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the state of the union. Um and it ties into some of the stuff that you're talking about, no question. But you know how it's going to be tonight. Half the place is going to be sitting down. Half the place is going to be standing up and clapping. It's childish, and, and it goes to what you're talking about, right? I'm tired of it, uh, but that's what we're going to see tonight, right? We're going to see all these Republicans sitting down and booing, and I'm sure Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene will have their moment where they'll try to get their three seconds in and, and say something disrespectful during his speech. I'm sure that'll happen. And then you'll have a AOC standing up and clapping, and then all the Democrats standing up for the entire speech. It's childish. It's, it's theater. It's all it is. It's, it's uh, uh, kabuki theater. It's all it is. It has zero relevance. 
Uh, and when Lauren Bowman jumps up and screams, you lie, or you know she's going to do something outrageous, she's going to be able to raise more money. Um, her, her phone's going to ring tonight and tomorrow, and she's going to raise millions of dollars. Yeah, and then her husband um, will probably expose himself in front of children. But my point is, the point I, I'm trying to make is, is you just need, and I'll help you guys, we just need to get, we need to develop this play. The, the total amount expended on, on federal elections in the last election cycle, 2020, was something like $14 billion. We give that to Ukraine in a couple months, right? I mean, to do publicly financed public elections where you take money completely out of it, the price tag is peanuts compared to what we spend. The, the oil companies get like $8 billion a year in subsidies, and it would only cost us $14 billion to publicly finance federal elections. How pure, how much of an improvement do you think this country would have? Uh, it would be outrageous, and, and it would get to the root cause of all our problems. Yeah. Well, I, think about it. I know I hit you with a lot all at once, that's okay. but I'm telling you, it's a simple pledge. And you just stick it in front of the candidates. Do you promise to uh, participate in campaign finance reform, including publicly financed elections? Yes or no? Sign it or all don't right. sign it. I if hear you, you man. Sign it, if you don't sign it, we're yep. going to pull your pants down publicly, and you're saying you don't want to fix America. And I've officially kept you on the air longer than Chris Wynn usually keeps his phone callers on the air. So that would mean <laughs> I kept you on for a very long time. But <laughs> but rightfully so, John. I always appreciate it when you call in. And, and I presented you with greatness, guys. Don't, I, don't drop the Don't let it blow right past you. Grab it. I won't. Thanks, Sean. Always good to hear from you, my man. Thank you very much. Uh, 702-221-7283 is the number to call. We're talking, uh, <clears throat> at least I think we're talking about the State of the Union address tonight, what you want, what you don't want. Um, I believe we have Carl on the line uh, next. What's going on, Carl? Yeah, hey, Brian, Michelle. I hope you're both sitting down for the least important call you'll have in your career. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, that was just a play on the last caller. Um, uh, You you mentioned uh, who his first two years in office. Well, let me say something. I think he's done, Biden has done extremely well for the middle class and the lower middle class. When Trump's first two years in office, what he did was he he lowered the taxes on the extreme wealthy and the big corporations. That didn't really help a lot of the middle class and whatever. And I think uh, Biden, he's working on the infrastructure of the country. And I think within the next two years, he's going to be extremely popular for what he's done for the middle class. Anything that happened with well, let the me price ask, of gas. Carl, and, let me ask you, yeah. stay on the line, Carl. I want to ask Michelle yeah. that. Michelle, do you agree with Carl that Biden's going to be even more popular in two years with the middle class? What are your thoughts on that? I do not believe that will be the case. I've been incorrect on things before. So, I mean, anything is possible. But no, I don't think he's going to be more popular with the middle class. I think if things continue at the rate that they are right now, and I think if it is a Biden and Trump election in 2024, I think there's a likelihood Biden could win again as a as Americans would say, lesser of two evils. But I don't think he's going to be this popular guy. He's not a popular guy right now. His approval ratings are kind of in the trank. He's got a, in July of 2022, he had a staggering 57% disapproval rating. Right now he's got a 52% disapproval rating. So he's not popular with the middle class right now. Carl, what do you say to that? Well, uh, he's got to have his full four years. And uh, when he came into office, everything was headed down. 
He had nothing to do with it. I hear everybody saying, oh, uh, six months after he was elected, oh, he caused the gas prices to go up. He caused the food to go up, the prices. He caused this. He caused, he couldn't have. It was. It would have been that way no matter who would become president. It was headed that way. And there was nothing anybody could have done about it then. But I think he's starting to pull out of all of that. And in two more years, I think people are going to discover that he uh, has done more, is trying to do more for the average American than Trump ever did. He never, he only cared about either himself or the big corporations. I always remember, I hope you do remember, when they had that, he had that big dinner party after he lowered the uh, taxes for the wealthy and there was a microphone and it was on tape because I heard the tape saying, oh, I hope you, it was this Mar-a-Lago we had it at. I said, oh, I hope you guys appreciate I've made you all a lot richer tonight. <laughs> well, you know, that, that's that's what I'm talking about. All right. Uh, I hear Biden's you, Carl. Trying, yeah. I Biden's hear- not trying to make everybody he's trying to make it right for everybody i uh i hear you carl i'm on your side my friend and i always appreciate the call carl good to hear from you have a good one okay same here yep so here's what's going to happen tonight michelle and by the way the number to call 702-221-7283 it's going to be more partisan politics tonight and i'm not just accusing republicans for that um it's going to be more child antics Here's what I mean by that. If Joe Biden makes a statement like, you know, I reunited 700 kids that were kidnapped by ICE, he's not going to use that terminology. But if you made a statement about that, I think we all, if you're a decent American, would agree it's good to reunite kids with families, regardless of whether they're undocumented or not. You don't want kids separated from their families. It's not the kid's fault, right? That's something that I think we all should applaud. But I guarantee you, if he makes a statement like that, the overwhelming majority of Republicans are going to sit in their keisters and they're not going to clap. Why? Because they're Republicans. And that is why things don't get done in this country. I am not saying Democrats don't do some of the same stuff because they do. But I'm just giving an example about tonight, and it's going to get me angry. Well, and I, but I, I don't think it should. I think you need to remember what the state of the state is for. We do not uh, – sorry, not the state of the state. That's for Nevada. Uh, the state of the <laughs> – Dr. Uh, Joe Lombardo. Yeah, sorry. Uh, the State of the Union. The State of the Union is a partisan speech. It's a partisan speech for whoever is the president at the time. So this is going to be a great speech for Democrats. It's going to be a bad speech for Republicans. If there was a Republican in the White House, it'd be a great speech for Republicans, bad speech for Democrats. The majority of Americans don't watch it, and the majority of Americans don't care, particularly if you're a West Coast American. Um, you know, if you're on the East Coast, it's at 9 o'clock. Yeah, you might yeah. kind of tune it in. Six o'clock, most people aren't even home. So let me tell you, your Californians, your Nevadans, your Washingtonians, they're not even going to be watching this sucker. They're going to catch some highlights about it, either on the 11 o'clock news or on the morning news, and that's about it. So don't be offended. Don't even care. It's not even that big of a deal. This is a partisan speech that very few people, except for politicos, will pay attention to. And it's part of the deal. If you're, if you're a Republican, you're supposed to be Nancy Pelosi and tear up the speech. If you're, if you're, if it's a Republican president and you're a Democrat, you're supposed to sit on your hands. If it's a Democrat president and, and you're a Republican congressperson, you're supposed to sit on your hands. It's the theater. It's the drama of it. Don't be offended by it. It is what it is. I just think it's childish. That's all. It's called politics. And most politics is immensely childish. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate, you know. Um, Joe Biden will probably address, and let's just dive into this right now. Yeah. Joe Biden will, I would imagine, and this is something I want him to address, this Chinese balloon. Um, 
He should address it. I think he's just going to say, I shot it down and Democrats are going to applaud and we're going to move on. I don't think he's going to address it to the way that Republicans would like it to be addressed. I don't think it's going to be that simplistic. But here's here's my issues with this whole thing. And I have a lot of issues with it. Republicans have been nonstop hammering Joe Biden and the administration for not shooting down the balloon earlier and not doing this and not doing that. And then we actually got something called facts, facts from our military. If you don't, if you think our military's lying and you think Joe Biden's lying, but Tucker Carlson's telling the truth, and I don't have a lot of respect for people like that, but we've learned through the administration and through our military that Joe Biden ordered this balloon sh- uh, shot down last Wednesday. The military, and they have the right to, waited. They waited because they didn't want to shoot it over land. And even though in Montana, there's like seven people that are in certain counties. Still, this goes, even in the water when it came down over seven-mile stretch, people could have gotten injured or killed. That was the right decision. Now, some Republicans are also saying, why did they even let it in airspace to begin with? Well, officials are saying that they were actually getting intelligence from the balloon, and they they were not able, the, the balloon and the Chinese were not able to get intelligence on us. Now, if you want to say that they're lying and the officials are lying and the military's lying and Joe Biden's lying, then it's very difficult for me to have a conversation with you or with anybody. Um, I tend to believe our military over, a, again, a social media right-wing pundit. Um, another thing that I want to bring up, and then I want to hear your side of this, but a lot of people didn't say a peep when we've learned and it's been confirmed, by the way, that there were three of these types of balloons that were in airspace, not as long. They weren't in our airspace as long. But what does it matter? Three of these types of balloons were in U.S. airspace during the Trump administration. What did Donald Trump and his administration do? Nothing. And Donald Trump has said in the last 48 hours that it never happened. He's a liar. So hypocrisy again not understanding the facts of this Chinese balloon to begin with. It was shot down. Nobody got hurt. Our military are still picking up the pieces, so to speak, in the water, which goes over a seven-mile stretch. They've told us that the Chinese have not received any intel on us. In fact, the other way around, we turned the tables and received it on them. The Chinese are claiming that this was unintentional and it was a civilian balloon. That's probably don't a lie. That. Of course. I, I <laughs> China also said just recently, I'll just let you know, this came yeah. down at 135. China wants its downed spy aircraft back, saying it does not belong to the U.S. Right. I'm so glad they want that back. Yeah. That's fun. No. You're not getting it back, no. Chuckles. Okay, so, so I don't believe anything. Listen, Michelle, I'm not... Not going to defend anything as far as the evil, murderous <laughs> regime of the Chinese government right. and their president <laughs> and creating uh, COVID and all the people that have died and they've never taken accountability for that. <sighs> Don't even get me started with the way they treat their citizens. The citizens, I'm not talking. I'm talking about the evil government, which is the Chinese evil, evil, murderous government regime. The people of China are fine. Absolutely. Lovely people. Absolutely. Their government, whole nother ball of wax. Right. They're turning into Vladimir Putin. Um, but. I'm very frustrated with the way, again, the hypocrisy of what so many, not all, but what so many, some Republicans have said we want, they want Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to step down because of this. I'm like, are you insane? How asinine is that? These people have no idea what they're talking about. They don't have the intel. They want to call our military all liars, our top officials liars, Joe Biden a liar. And, and again, the facts have come out, and I think Joe Biden handled this great. Um. 
okay. I don't think he handled it great, but that's cool. Um, I, I've got questions. I, I, I do not have the security clearance that I will get any of these questions answered, but I've got questions. Um, my first couple of questions are, you know, why when we did realize it was over Alaska, why did we not do anything then? Because it was over body, bodies of water then. They are claiming. Before. Officials are claiming that they wanted to get intel I, on China. I get now, that. Now, I don't know all the intricacies, and I'm not going to pretend to know that. Mm-hmm. All I'm telling you is that's what they are saying. Right. And I'm just saying that the journalist in me, that, mm-hmm. that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I, I've got questions that I said I will never get the answers to because I don't have the mm-hmm. security clearance. But – to have the argument of, oh, we had to wait for it to be over water. So we waited until it went over all our nuclear area in Montana and all over the continental U.S. Mm. We waited till it got to South Carolina. Doesn't seem to be as clear of an argument when it was over water in Alaska. I'm also curious, there was this time where it also went over Canada. Did Canada go like, oh, yeah, we don't give a rat's. <laughs> spy balloon. We don't get. Yeah, I don't Canada, know. Canada, did you not care that there was a Chinese yeah. spy balloon, you know, floating over you? Yeah. So what was Canada's whole response to that? I have some questions about that as well. Also, um, I, I can't remember the exact term that the military used that they had this like dominion failure or whatever. So they did not realize that there have been other spy balloons. Um, over whether, Latin America, there's one, I think, still now. Right. That, that, oh, yeah. During the Trump administration mm-hmm. and that even this one, they didn't find it was just a civilian who spotted this balloon and that evidently the military has some sort of problem and that aircraft in this airspace that the balloon is in, mm-hmm. they're not able to detect things in that airspace. So what you're telling me is that they've had a pretty huge failure, our military at this point. Our military is at a pretty huge failure that you're telling us that China has been able to use these spy balloons for a while now, for a couple years, without any of us knowing. You've been not able to do anything to stop it for quite a few years. And this time you allowed it to really go over the continental U.S. and particularly Montana, which is very scary because of the military base that is there and the nuclear weapons and the nuclear capabilities that are there in Montana. So this was a huge huge debacle in in every sense of the word correct i mean this is this is bad nothing about this is good um, so yes I and no thought- that's still yet to be determined i think we don't want any air balloons from china or any other country uh coming into uh, our airspace so yes i agree that's not a good thing however uh Long term, this could be a good thing for this country based on the intel that they're claiming they got um again i'm going by what top- i mean it could be but uh, again this is where you've got to take a little bit of faith and hope that that's true. You, you know, it, it does take faith. Unless I have reason to believe it's not true, I'm not going to think they're lying. What I what I don't like are so many people on the right that are calling Joe Biden weak and this and that when they didn't even know. They weren't even aware that Joe Biden put in the order on Wednesday to shoot this balloon down. I think it's pretty common knowledge that he put in the order on Wednesday. But, but a lot of Republicans earlier in the week before Joe Biden even made that announcement they didn't know. They didn't have all the facts, but they rushed to conclusions. And again, I go back to what I always say when it comes to hypocrites. Where were you when these types of mechanisms or balloons were over U.S. airspace under the Trump administration? Well, I don't. To be fair, just to be fair, nobody knew what was happening during the Trump administration. Not the military, not the Trump administration. So we can't really throw stones. Isn't that like, worse? Where were? Um, in some respects, I think it's far worse for our military. Yes. Yeah. I, if, if anything, 
Um, this has nothing to do with Trump or Biden as much as it has to do with, holy crap, what is okay, up with well, our military that what? you did not know about this? Okay, well, guess what? I agree with you. Okay. <laughs> I agree with what you just said. It probably doesn't have a lot to do with Donald Trump or Joe Biden. However, it was Donald Trump that interjected himself again this week in the conversation being Mr. Tough Guy. I would have never let this happen. I would have shut it down. It's nonsense. And I agree with you. This shouldn't be about all Joe Biden or Donald Trump. The Republicans over the course of the last week have made it all about Joe Biden. Well, I, I think that I think where Republicans are correct is I think that Joe Biden has not. Well, while we were told during the 2020 election that Joe Biden is the strongest candidate we've ever had when it comes to foreign affairs, that Joe Biden would be one of the strongest people, potential presidents we could have in dealing with China. The truth of the matter is, is I personally don't feel that way. I don't feel he's one of the strongest presidents we've had when it comes to foreign affairs. I don't think he's very strong on China. I don't think he's very strong on foreign affairs. I don't think he has much of a backbone and I don't think he ever has. I think that was Evidently, uh, so never more clear than when he was vice president and when Obama had the opportunity to go after Osama bin Laden and everybody in the room was like, heck yeah, let's go get that. And Biden's like, nope, I wouldn't do it. And like, he was the only one who wasn't for it. All right, so Biden, in my opinion,'s got no cojones. And I think that's the only way I can oh. properly say that on the air. Uh, Biden is a weak president when it comes to foreign affairs and when it comes to standing ground against dictator governments like China, Iran, Korea, and others. I, I just, well, I'll tell very you, weak. Okay. Well, I'll tell you something that Joe Biden has not done. He has not sent love letters to Kim Jong-un. Joe Biden has not stood side by side to Vladimir Putin, who was an evil, murderous dictator. I think we all could agree on that. And taken Vladimir Putin's side over our own intelligence, CIA, FBI. The person who did that was our last president prior to Joe Biden. Now, I agree with you. I believe Joe Biden is not as tough as other presidents in the past. But I strongly would say that I'll take Joe Biden, at least Joe Biden called Vladimir Putin what he is and is a war criminal, to this day. Donald Trump hasn't said one negative thing about Vladimir Putin. But you know what? Words mean very little when your actions are so weak. Because I will never forget Joe Biden's response a year ago at his, I think, first press conference when he basically said, well, what are you going to say to Putin? Putin's saying he's going to invade Ukraine. And he said, well, kind of depends if it's a minor incursion. And that literally gave Putin the green light to invade Ukraine. And I was with my stepmother this weekend because I told you, you know, it was my birth. It's our birthday weekend. Greer and my Greer and my birthday is tomorrow. And so I asked Mila, uh, you know, how are things going? Because Olga was able to come to America for a few days and she's back home now. And she's like, it's very interesting because in Kiev, because that's where Zelensky is. There is electricity, there's power, there is, it is protected. Kiev is like a freaking fortress. But where Olga is, they have not had electricity for days. She can only talk to Olga very spottedly because she can barely get electricity. So it's freezing out there. They have no electricity, barely any food. They're teaching Olga, she's learned like first aid and things to be like on the front lines where she lives to basically help with all these battles. So Kiev is just 
fortified and protected. The rest of Ukraine freaking destroyed and they're living like in a third world country. Well, yeah, sure. And it's freaking horrible, right? So I, I just go, you know, I feel very personal about this that, you know, and her Olga's husband, Peter, is dead now because of this. And I asked Odmila, I said, you know, Olga said she she wanted to go back to Ukraine because allegedly since Peter died, she was going to be getting money from the government. She goes, Michelle, there is no money. Olga will not get any money because there is no money in Ukraine. There is no money to give. So these people have given their lives and there is no money. Olga's son is still fighting. Olga's brother, Pavel, is still fighting. Um, and if these people die on the front lines, there's just, there's nothing. They are they, But they are such patriots. I said, does Olga want to come? Does Olga want to come to America? What? What can we do? Can we sponsor? Can we? No, she's such a patriot. She loves her country so darn much that she will do anything to fight for her country, even if it means her death. Such a beautiful freaking thing, because I swear to God, most Americans would not even do that. But Joe Biden, in my opinion, has been weak on this from the beginning because we've given money, but we've never given what these people freaking really need. What do you mean? What do they really need? What they really need, in my opinion, is they need... I know not everyone agrees with this because they're so afraid of war, but I think that Putin is a liar and I think Putin is a fraud. And I think we have seen firsthand that Putin doesn't have that many resources. He's destroying this country and citizen warriors like Peter are able, able to keep them back. I think we should have given them the military things that they needed so that they could have well, fought back. But, but Instead Biden of just has. Giving, no, we've been giving them money. And, and military money, artillery. Money. We give them artillery, but I think the things that they've wanted, the types of planes, the types of things that they've really wanted, we've never really given because we're so afraid that it's going to invoke war with Putin. And and I know a lot of people disagree with me on this, and I guess maybe I'm a little too personal about it, but I would have rather have gone to battle with Putin than just to let him ravage this country. So you think America should have been a part of this war as well? I think, I think if we really believe in NATO, that an attack on one is an attack on all. And I know that Ukraine has never been a part of NATO. I know that. I know that. And there's a reason why Ukraine's never been part of NATO. Mila will tell you that. Everybody I know from Ukraine will tell you that. that there's well, a I reason. think the last thing we want is to go to war with Russia. Uh, I would just like to shut Putin down. Well, in, or, in, in order to do that. <laughs> and maybe I, I'm not sure that I have the answer. I understand. But, but Michelle, if we do that, then we're at war and our troops have to be on the ground there. And we're at war with Russia. And I'm not sure that's. Uh, I, I'm not sure it's the right answer the right either, but do. it's what my, my heart. What I, I, what I am do. telling you is Joe Biden's been extremely supportive of the people of the Ukraine, uh, not just financially helping them, but with military uh, artillery. And doing really everything uh, in his power to help them. Uh, and again, Biden, ha I do think words matter. Uh, when Biden says that Putin is an evil murder murderist, uh, I don't think he used that term, but I think he called him a war criminal. And when Biden's writing love letters to to uh, evil murderous re regime dictators like Kim Jong-un, I think uh, a president's words do matter. And I'm glad that Biden said that. And uh, all right, let's take some more phone calls. 702-221-7283. And again, the number to call if you want to be a part of the conversation. 702-221-7283. Let's go to Lauren. Hi, Lauren. What's up? Uh, hi, Brian. Um, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, what one of the uh, I, I I I get you on a stream because I'm out at work. But uh, uh, as far as the military thing, mm -hmm. um, the information that's given out, um, it, it's uh, okay. I used to read the AP and the UPI when they when they came in, and then I would read the intelligence reports, and it was like night and day. Okay, it's. The, it's, it's a need to know. If the, if, if they, if the military wants you to know about it, they'll let you know. But 
if you don't have the need to know why things are being done the way they're being or being done, you, you, you're, you're being fed half truths. And I, I'm, I'm speaking from experience because that was the field I was in in the military. I worked in, in signal intelligence. So all, all that I'm trying to say is, is, is it's, it, it's a, it can be the complete opposite of what is really put out there. And another thing is Grinnell, who is uh, the director of intelligence under the Trump administration. I saw, uh, heard an interview on him yesterday pointing out that there was no uh, actual, there, there weren't any of these incidents during the Trump administration. Now, well, why he would lie about that or why, uh, you know, because he was a Trump employee. Yeah. Did he lie about it? I, I, I don't believe so. He has nothing to gain. He's no longer uh, an active member. He does receive, he still receives briefings from the uh, Biden administration. He receives briefings from the Biden administration. I understand. So, um, all I'm simply saying is that there are officials that have said to the contrary, uh, and, mm-hmm. and there's two sides to this. But the reason why we're bringing this up and the reason why we're talking about this and what may or may not have happened during the Trump administration is because Donald mm-hmm. Trump came out several days ago and made it political and said, I would have never let this happen. I would have shot the balloon down when Donald Trump has absolutely no idea what he was talking about. Joe Biden ordered this balloon shot down on Wednesday. The military, which I trust, decided to wait until Saturday. And Donald Trump is mm-hmm. the one that interjected himself into this conversation when he should just shut up, sit on the toilet and go on Truth Social, whatever the hell the hell he decides to do but instead he wants to interject in there and be mr superman and mr tough guy when he's the same guy who dodged the military himself well i mean i uh, i I, okay i understand what you're saying about that all all i'm saying is this we we will never get the full story no of course not okay a lot of this is top secret information sure mm -hmm. and 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 the other thing is i mean personally I, i have no understanding why it even got as far as it did. Mm-hmm. Okay, it to me it it. I mean, when when it was when it was over Alaska, there there should it, it should have been taken care of at that point. Well, that's where the issue goes to. Do you believe our military and what they're saying? Do you believe top officials that are saying we wanted to gain intelligence uh, on them and we turn the tables on them? I mean, that's whether you want to believe or not believe what they're Can saying. Can I ask him a question though? Yeah, go ahead. Because uh, I think you said your name was Lawrence, sir. I I, I think you said yeah. that you were a part of military and you were a part of surveillance in the past. And I had that same right. question: Why wasn't it done over Alaska? And that's my big question too. Also, if the, if the order was given on Wednesday, why did the military wait? So I'm seeing great flaws in the military. The military also came up with that random term as to why they weren't able to find it, which was just a clever way saying like, oh, yeah, we we totally missed this. We didn't even know it was going on. I think we're seeing some huge flaws in the military right now, and they're trying to save face by not exposing that on a huge level right now, which I, which I also get, why would you want to expose that? Right. So I think they're, they're trying to CYA and also make sure that we're not letting other countries realize that we just screwed up royally. That's what I think is going on. Would you agree with that? I, I, I would tend to agree with that. I, I think that the military is, um, is a, it's a very political organization at this point in time. And, and most of your flag officers, which are your generals and your admirals, are 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 they are politicians 
Um, that's how they got where they are. Many of them, some did earn it, uh, rightfully, but I have to say that, that, uh, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I have no faith in, in the, uh, the, the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff and I served in the army. Um, you know, he's, He's nothing but a politician in my eyes. And, and you would say that whether you had a Republican as president or a Democrat exactly. as president. Exactly. I, 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 right. Well, I mean, he was, he was, he was, uh, uh, over the, he was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, staff even under Trump. Right, right. So you're essentially so, saying I mean, it's, uh, it's yeah. beyond partisan politics. You're saying that as a former member of the military, you have these concerns about military overall. And I think that's what I was trying to say, too. I don't think this is as yeah, partisan I mean, as people are trying to make it. Politicians are making it partisan, but I think what we're seeing is a huge flaw in our military. And I think you as former military are confirming that. Right, right. I mean, everything that, that I mean, and I, and I came from the military. My, my father was a career uh, career Navy. And he, he served in intelligence. I, the, the, the whole thing is, is it, it just seems like our, our military is going through a transition. I don't think it's a good transition. Um, but here again, it, it, it's got to do with the present administration. All right. Well, so I mean, that, I, I, I mean, I, th- that's where we would probably disagree a little bit. I don't, I, I don't uh, blame Joe Biden or you know the administration for anything when it comes to this Chinese balloon. I think it appears to me that it was handled properly. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. We'll have to wait and see what yeah. happens as more information comes out. But uh, I'm not one of those people that thinks that Biden did anything wrong here, and I'm sure he will address it tonight in the State of the Union. And I hope he does. And I hope he's hard on China. I hope he's tough on China. And We'll just have to uh, wait and see what he has to say about it tonight, because I'm sure it will come up. Well, it is what it is. It's already happened. So, yeah, we'll see what the outcome is going to be. All right. Thanks, Lauren. Appreciate the phone call. Okay, Brian. Appreciate it. Okay. Yep. You too. Uh, 221-7283 is the number to call. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to get Michelle's take on something. There is a congressman in Washington that is passing out AR-15 pins on the House floor. Folks, you can't make this stuff up. Replacing your American flag pin as a politician in Washington with an AR-15 pin. We'll tell you who's doing it. And by the way, clue, this guy has a checkered past. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. She's Michelle Mortensen. I'm Brian Shapiro. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Welcome back. It is uh, Pushing the Limits on a Tuesday. 
I want to tell you guys about my favorite gaming bar in town. Of course, I'm talking about Jackson's Bar and Grill located at Flamingo and Jones. I was over there the other day. had a great time hanging out with friends. And uh, they got some great promotions uh, this month, by the way. If you get 200 points in slot play rewards, uh, you get $50 free play uh, twice this week. I believe Wednesdays and Sundays. And uh, what a great place to watch a Vegas Golden Knights game, too, where they do the Pass the Puck contest, where if you hit a four of a kind, you get a puck. And if the period ends before anybody else hits a four of a kind, you're going to get 50 bucks in, or a hundred bucks. I'm sorry, uh, in slot play. So that's pretty cool. Check them out. Jackson's Barn and Grill. Great food, great atmosphere, a fun place to play and just hang out. Uh, one of, uh, certainly my favorite uh, local gaming bar in town. Tell them I sent you. Jackson's Barn and Grill located at Flamingo and Jones. We got Michelle Mortensen in studio, the eight time Emmy winner. We've been talking about the, uh, what do you expect and, and talking about the state of the union address tonight? Of course, we're going to have all the coverage on it tomorrow. And, uh, on the West Coast, that, speech of the State of the Union is scheduled to begin, I believe, at 6 p.m., which is, of course, 9 p.m. on the East Coast. I can't imagine. What, these speeches last, what, Michelle, like maybe an hour? Yeah, I, well, it's probably going to be about an hour, maybe an hour 10, and then you'll have the Republican response, which will be from um, <laughs> yeah. Sarah Huckabee, Huckabee Sanders, which is probably Ugh. another 20, 30 minutes. Ugh. And then you basically, they kind of work it out so that the 11 o'clock news starts right after that. So you don't mm. have to have like some random like Jeopardy or something in between. Yeah. So it's it's usually around a, a two-hour yeah. block mm. um, that you'll have filled out so that you just go straight yeah. into the 11 o'clock news on the East Coast. Yeah. On the West Coast, that means, you know, pre, basically prime time. So whatever is happening at 8 p.m., but it's all going to be reruns. So even though it sweeps right now and you're expecting, I don't even know what's on on a Tuesday night. Like back yeah. in the day, it was growing pains. I know that's not on anymore. By the way, <laughs> in the yeah, growing pains, there's another... <laughs> Another nut job. I haven't watched real TV like in forever. Uh, by the oh. way, speaking of Sarah Suckabee, I'm sorry, Huckabee, I'm sorry. Um, she already has a speech written out that somebody else wrote for her. It doesn't matter whether Joe. That's jo- usually pretty standard. Right. But I'm just showing you how, how pathetic it <laughs> but, is. But she's probably already gotten a copy of the president's yeah. speech. So that's not that unusual. Yeah. yeah. I just want to, it's not unusual, but it's pathetic. You know, they already have these speeches written and it's like a response and you don't even know, uh, but, everything. But if you've already gotten the president's speech and you're able S- to read it, some of them, your, your own response. I mean, that, that's how it's done. Might, that's not pathetic. They might have Joe Biden's speech. Some of them, I can assure you, maybe haven't even received Joe Biden's speech yet, yet they're still writing a speech in response to it. That's the way yeah, it's gone on Sarah for years Huckabee and years. Yeah, but Sarah Huckabee Sanders has probably already received it. She might. It. She and might. Because the press will get a copy of this speech before mm. it's given as well. Yeah. Anything, so, I mean, it. Any of Sarah Suckabee's, Sarah Suckabee's uh, statements are going to be pro-gun, pro-abortion, uh, pro-anti-abortion, I should say, pro-gun. She's going to talk about freedom of speech and how Joe Biden needs to go. and The Democrats are ruining the country. And uh, there's something that I won't be listening to, because if I wanted to listen to uh, some right wing idiot who lied uh, for Donald Trump every day, then I would decide to listen to Sarah Suckabee. So, She's uh, despicable, in, in my opinion. In- whether you like her or not is irrelevant. You should want to listen to both sides because whether it's a, if you, when you, when you listen to Donald Trump's State of the Union, you'd want to hear the Democratic response. You want to hear how both sides are responding to what's said. That's the proper way to take in all of the information so that you can give the proper analysis is to okay. listen to both sides. So I would agree with you if Sarah Suckabee had solutions to problems. And I guarantee you, 100% in her speech, it's going to be what Gymnasium Jordan does every day, which is never pass anything and never have any solutions, but just bicker about Democrats and Joe Biden. Okay, so let's 
stop with the name calling for a hot second and let's just pretend. <laughs> hard, very hard for me to do, Michelle. So <laughs> what Republican then? Yeah. In your mind, would you have listened to that they could have chosen for the Republican response? Because I think sure. the real problem is, is that you wouldn't listen to any Republican no. response. No, you're wrong. You're so wrong. who who on the Republican side would you have listened um, to? I would listen to Mitt Romney, um, who's still in office, um, and I would listen to what he has to say. I would listen to Adam Kinzinger because I think he's a decent human being, even though I don't agree with him on a lot of issues. Uh, he's a Republican that I would be willing to listen to. You know, I'll even go a step further. Um, and I, and I'm, I don't know why I'm at, uh, Congressman Scott, I don't always agree with him on a lot of issues. However, lately I've been agreeing with him on some issues, including policing. I would listen more to somebody who is black, who is a Republican than somebody like Suckabee Sanders, who never talks about bad policing, who never talks about issues, uh, so did you minorities. listen to Tim Scott's rebuttal when he gave it at the last state of the year? I did. I didn't agree with everything that he said. But if you ask me who I'd rather listen to, those are several names that I can give you right now. I have some respect for Congressman Scott. I really do. Um, as far as Liz Cheney goes, I mean, she's out anyway, but, but, uh, I'm not, I'm not really, uh, a big fan of Liz Cheney, even though I have some respect for her. I'll be honest with you. There's not a ton of Republicans that are in office right now that I have a lot of respect for in Washington. There are some. But there are not a lot. I named you a few there. Um, the problem with Suckabee is that she, and I'm sorry if you don't like the name calling, but you know, I have a lot of hostility towards her. And the reason why I do is because she lied every day for Donald Trump. Every single day she defended him and she lied for him. And I have no respect for somebody like that. And her father is a moron. Her father used to be a respectable individual and her father's gone down that same Donald Trump rabbit hole. So it's very difficult for me to take in anything. And listen, there are uh, Democrats on the left and hard lefties that will, you know, do and say anything for their party as well. And I'm not a big uh, Chuck Schumer fan. I never was a big Nancy Pelosi fan either. There's not many people on the right that I would listen to tonight for some sort of quote unquote rebuttal. And again, um, that's just my personal opinion. But I'll give you an example of somebody on the right, Michelle, who I have zero respect for. And this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Georgia Congressman Andrew Clyde. So Andrew Clyde made headlines after January 6th when he made a statement in an interview that January 6th was, quote, more of a tourist visit than anything else. He tried to walk back his words, which were disgusting and deplorable. And anybody who would make a statement like that is an imbecile. Well, Andrew Clyde is back in the news again for the wrong reasons. He's going on the House floor in Washington and replacing some members when they have American flag pins on their suits with well, I'll let Andrew Clyde explain it for himself in his own words. Here's Andrew Clyde. This night history. I hear that this little pin I've been giving out on the house. I think you got music playing in the background there, Mark. Uh, hold on, we got to restart it. Well, I get that. Remind people of the second. Definitely. Hold on. Let's 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 lower that. Do me a favor, Mark. Let's lower that. Let's 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 start it up again for the beat. No, that's cool. No, we got. He definitely. Well, that's an interesting little musical selection there. He definitely didn't have music playing in the background. Andrew Clyde doesn't strike me as much of a Gavin Rosdale Bush fan, so I I don't think so. He's more of I don't know. It was a little yeah, like edgy yeah. for him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we good to go? All right, so this is Andrew Clyde explaining uh, what he's been doing on the House floor. Have a listen to this. Ninth District. I hear that this little pin I've been giving out on the House floor 
has been triggering some of my Democrat colleagues. Well, I give it out to remind people of the Second Amendment of the Constitution and how important it is in preserving our liberties. If I missed you on the House floor, please stop by my office in Canon. I have plenty more to give out. Okay, so what is Andrew Clyde giving out? He's giving out little AR-15 pins. Now, some might say, well, he has the right to do that. Sure, it's not against the law. It's funny, though, how people like Andrew Clyde want to talk about the Second Amendment and how important it is, but yet they have no solutions when it comes to gun violence in this country. And by the way, it is the AR-15 that is responsible for so many of these mass shootings in this country, including in our backyard. <clears throat> this is what on what is on top of Andrew Clyde's mind. Now, let me give you a little bit of background, Michelle, on this guy, Andrew Clyde, who is a complete imbecile, in my opinion. And this goes to show you, Michelle, character. <coughs> well, this Georgia freshman was one of only three House members to vote against the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act. I think anybody anybody who is a reasonable human being would say, yeah, we want to do everything we can. We st- stop lynching. But guess what? Not Andrew Clyde, House Republican, who happens to be white in Georgia. Uh, he was also one of 14 who opposed the creation of the Juneteenth holiday. Also, means a lot to uh, particularly black people in this country. But again, it was Andrew Clyde who voted against it. You know what else Andrew Clyde votes against? Any type of gun legislation that could save lives in this country. He votes against that as well. Um, and Andrew Clyde made $25 million in uh, ownership of his Clyde gun shop. You know, pro-gun, Andrew Clyde, pro-gun. Uh, and it's not only, you know, the uh, hundreds who've been needlessly killed since 2004 in the surge of mass shootings by AR-15s. Let's also keep in mind that these weapons, these large-capacity magazines, Congress banned them in the 1990s, and it was a bill that worked. Gun violence was down. Mass shootings were down. But then what happened? Interestingly enough, the law expired. Why did it expire? Because of Republicans like Andrew Clyde, who wanted it to expire. And now this is the guy who's walking around on the House floor handing out AR-15 pids that I would shove up his you-know-where. So that's my opinion on Andrew Clyde. That's a little bit of background on him. I believe he's a despicable human being. And sadly... Not all Republicans feel this way, but that part of the Republican base, in my personal opinion, it's a symbol to the GOP that is a death cult, in my opinion. Um, You know, you can wear whatever you want. Sam Smith was at the Grammys the other night dressed as the devil. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. Members of Congress want to wear an AR-15 lapel pin. There's certainly more than, you know, we live in a free country. You can wear whatever you want. Um, there's no accounting for taste, though, right? <laughs> so, well, I wouldn't dress like the devil like Sam Smith. I probably wouldn't wear an AR-15 lapel pin, but that's because I'm not a big gun person, right? It's not something that I personally would do. I do think this is becoming, you know, a hyper-partisan issue. It looks like uh, Dina Titus tweeted... Weapons of war have no place on our streets, much less on our lapels. I get, um, according to Democratic Representative Cori Bush, um, she noted that this she felt that this was very inappropriate as it was also being worn on National Gun Violence Survivors Week. Not sure if that's accurate or not. I'll just take her word for it. Well, I agree with um, you. You know, so at the end of the day, uh, if people want to wear it, they have every right to wear it. I don't have any issue with someone choosing to wear it. I think it's unfortunate it, that you would take off the American flag to wear it. You should very well be able to wear the American flag and that lapel pin. I also get not wanting to put a bunch of holes in your jacket. <laughs> 
That's another reason why I wouldn't want to wear a pin. I'm not a big pin fan person. Um, regardless, I don't have an issue with the pin. Um, uh, whether you should or should not do it is, is, is merely opinion. It's not anything that offends me all that much. It's not anything that I would wear. I wouldn't go to his office and get one. If I was given one, I would say thank you and I'd probably never wear it. It'd be thrown in a jewelry box and I'd never think of it again twice. I just think that. And my argument isn't about whether they're breaking the law or they don't have the right to wear it. That's not my argument. <laughs> my argument is it's so distasteful. And this idiot, Andrew Clyde, because that's what he is, um, he wants to own the libs. And that's more important to him, owning the libs. And they want to talk about the Second Amendment when it comes to the AR-15. Last I checked, the AR-15 wasn't invented when the Second Amendment was was put down. And that's my biggest argument with Republicans when they want to say, Democrats want to take your guns away. Not true. They're going after our Second Amendment. Not true. It's all lies. We are specific. I'm sure many guns we have today were not in existence when right. the Second Amendment. I agree. You know, so but we're not saying that the only thing you can have is some ancient musket that existed <laughs> when the Second Amendment. So that's a ridiculous argument. It doesn't, it doesn't that. matter. Not... AR-15s are a gun. They're a type of gun. You can like them or not like them. But the fact of the matter is the Second Amendment says that you have the right to bear arms. You have the right to bear arms at the moment. That is the law of the land. And I think people argue about this more than is necessary. I think people are far too um, I think people on the left and the right love to argue about this more than it's needed to. I, honestly, I think, I think things like this just incite the conversation even more and it's unnecessary. Well, if you have the right to bear arms, then why aren't you allowed to have a loaded bazooka? Why are there laws against having a bazooka? If that was the case and we quote, have the right to bear arms. I talk about people who are constitutionalists and, and people who, you know, talk about the first, the second, the third, the fourth amendment. And I say, if you have the right to bear arms back in the day when we had muskets, then in today's world, why can't you have an armed militia? Why can't you have an armed tank? Why can't you have bazookas? I was the- just going to say I had to look it up because I wasn't exactly sure. Right, it looks but- like a bazooka is a tank rocket launcher. That's mm-hmm. not a gun. That's why you can't have a bazooka. It's not a gun. It's a weapon. It's, but it, the, the uh, Second Amendment does not say a right to bear weapons. A bazooka is not a gun. It's a rocket launcher. That's why you can't have one. But it's a weapon. So who cares? The law is the, the Second Amendment does not say you have a right to bear weapons. Why can't you own machine guns? Machine guns are a form of a weapon. If we have the right to bear arms, then why are we not allowed to buy machine guns? I mean, I know the answer to that. The reason why we can't own machine guns or bazookas or tanks You know why, Michelle? Because it's dangerous and you don't need those types of weapons to defend yourself, a la an AR-15. You don't need an AR-15 to defend yourself. But why are so many Republicans hard up on keeping these weapons of war on the streets? Why? Money. So all those those machine guns on the strip that you can go shoot are machine guns that were made prior to 1986? Dang. Did you know that? So I guess federal law prohibits the possession of newly manufactured machine guns, but permits the transfer of machine guns lawfully owned prior to May 19th, 1986. And so since you said that, I just thought about that because, you know, there's that machine gun place over by the strip clubs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
which is very odd juxtaposition, Wait, where, right? How do, you, how do you know where the strip clubs are? Because it's on industrial, which I used to work at Channel hey, 8, I'm right? Ju- I'm just so asking the question. That's the, all. The fastest way to get to fashion show <laughs> Fair enough. is to avoid. I'm just asking. That's all. It's to go on industrial and to turn on uh, the street that Trump towers on right. because you go right in there and you park yep. at Nordstrom. It's freaking fantastic. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's how I know. Yeah. And there's that machine gun place there. And so I wondered, like, if you can't yep. own a machine gun, why can you go shoot Michelle, one on the strip? The reason why, why. Right. But the reason why I asked that is because he's not, he doesn't have a pen that says, I support our Second Amendment. He doesn't have a pen with just a pistol, you know, or just, you know, or, or, or a pen that says, I reserve the right to defend myself or whatever. He has a pen with a specific weapon, which is an AR 15, which we know is the weapon of choice for many of these mass shootings. And he only has this weapon as a pin on his jacket because it appeals to the meat of his base of the Republican Party. He knows he wants to own the libs, as he says. And it's pretty amazing because on the day of January 6th, there are images of Andrew Clyde. He looked scared. He looked frightened. And he has no problem in sharing these AR-15 pins. And I find it to be so utterly despicable and disrespectful, just like when Andrew Clyde said that January 6th was, you know, a tourist trip at, at best, you know, a tourist trip. You know, this is a man who has no class and... He wants to own the libs and he wants to talk about the Second Amendment. And I'm sorry, I'm just going to call it for what it is. There are certain uh, members of the GOP, and I call it a death cult. That's really what it is. They want to push their weapons. They want to push their AR-15s and their obsessions over guns. And that's more important than uh, the safety of the American people. And just so we clarify this. I'm Googling it. Just found it out. So you can own a machine gun. Um, if you get a federal firearms license known as an FFL, you can get a machine gun, depending on the type of FFL that you get. Uh, if you're a special occupational taxpayer, SOT, the FL holder can purchase and sell machine guns regardless of when they were made. They can even legally make their own machine guns or lawfully convert current firearms into full autos. Even without an FFL, a private citizen can still lawfully own a true machine gun if it is, you know, 35 years old or more. So I guess you can own a machine gun. Uh, it's a lot more difficult to own a weapon like that. Than, I'm not saying it's easy. Yeah, I'm just saying. An, an 18-year-old could walk into a gun store when he turns 18 and buy an AR-15. We saw it in the Parkland shooting. Uh, it's more difficult to buy machine guns. Uh, it's, it's a more dangerous weapon than, say, a pistol. Um, but there are no restrictions, literally no restrictions when it comes to some of these weapons of war, like AR-15s. And I find it despicable that, uh, again, this Georgia senator thought to himself, hey, how can I get the attention of people and how can I own libs? Hey, let's pass around some AR-15 pins. I just think it's despicable. Um, you, know, you have the right to that opinion, but I don't know that, you know, and I think a lot of liberals probably do find it despicable, but I think a lot on the right probably don't. And I think there's probably a, the majority of the people like me who are completely indifferent to it. I don't think it's uh, necessarily liberals that find it despicable. I think it's uh, 
people that maybe have lost loved ones in mass shootings, I can guarantee you family members of those that died in the October 1 shooting would probably find it despicable. Families of those who lost kids uh, in the Parkland shooting would probably find it despicable. Uh, any victim of gun violence or a mass shooting, a family member would probably find it despicable. But Andrew Clyde is not thinking of those people. He's not thinking of those that are victims of crimes at the hands of an AR-15. He's not thinking of those people first because that's what a decent human being would do. You know who he's thinking about? Owning the libs. And that's why I find it despicable. It shouldn't be about Republican and Democrat. It should be about right and wrong. I don't know that he's thinking about owning the libs. I think he's thinking about... He said about, it himself. He I said he's it. thinking about the Second Amendment. And I think some Second Amendment supporters are a little bit more... Um, I don't know what the right word is, but uh, vocal and gregarious. Gregarious is not the right word. Um, I just can't think of what the right word is. Uh, in their full support of it, that they would wear a a lapel pin. But um, I, I don't think he's trained to own. I can't. I don't think you can own a liberal with a lapel pin. Well, he said <laughs> in his statement. I mean, <laughs> but Michelle, in his statement, one of the first things he said was. Uh, uh, talking about how Democrats are angry at him because this is exactly what right, he Right, but wanted. that's not owning a liberal. And but it, he's talked and about that. And, and I think that's If a what, liberal's upset about a lapel pin, they need to find other things to be upset about. Just like I think people shouldn't be upset about what happens at the Grammy. I mean, I, today I read people are upset about Harry Styles and what he said at the Grammys. And I read the article and I was like, people need to grow up. I don't even like Harry Styles. People mm-hmm. need to grow up. People are so upset about Sam Smith at the Grammys. I'm like, I could give a rat's. I don't care. You know, and this is a... Super conservative Christian. Right. So if you like have people a, just need to calm it down. Well, if you have a platform, you have a platform. And obviously these celebrities have a platform, but I would say it's even more important when you're a lawmaker to, to not be distasteful and to do things that are appropriate and do things that are right. We can have different opinions. The problem I have with a lot of Republicans today when it comes to guns and the problem I have with a lot of idiots like Georgia Congressman Andrew Clyde is that they have no solutions or no legislation or new legislation they want to provide to help lower the gun violence in this country that is rising year in and year out. They have no answers. And their only answer is, oh, Second Amendment. Let's protect the Second Amendment and let's give everybody more guns. Ron DeSantis is doing the same thing in Florida right now. I know you support Ron DeSantis. Here's a guy that wants to make it more easy for people to get guns. Abbott has made it easier for those that are mentally ill to get their hands on weapons. Many of these Republicans want to make it easier for people to get guns. And when you ask most of Americans, I said Americans, Republican and Democrat, they say they want more comprehensive background checks. They want to make it harder for criminals to get their hands on weapons. They want more background checks. At least 65% of Americans are on the side of that. Ron DeSantis and Governor Abbott, just to name a few, and Andrew Clyde, are on the other side of that. And that is where I have my problem. They want to make it easier for people to get their hands on guns. I have a serious problem with that. So yes, Michelle, it's not necessarily just about a pin that somebody is wearing. It's the person behind that pin that I have a problem with. Let's gloat about our AR-15s. Let's make it easier for people to get their hands on guns. And I have absolutely no solutions for ending the gun violence in this country. In fact, I'm going to make it worse. That's what the Andrew Clydes of the world are doing. And that's where my frustration is. I think the truth is that nobody has a solution to ending gun violence because you can't just end gun violence. You can't end it all, but you can do things to help lower gun violence. That's what I'm talking about. And so that makes it very difficult. Like what happened in the 90s, though, Michelle. I mean, we talked about these weapons, these large capacity magazines um, that were banned in the 90s. It worked. 
Gun violence went down. Why did Republicans let it run out? It's very simple. Because they don't have your best interests at heart. I don't believe they do about your safety. They are in the back pocket of the NRA. It's the Republican meat, and they are going to lose support if they would right now today, for example, say, you know what? I support that bill back in the 1990s. I think we should do that again. They would be ever so less popular within the Republican Party. It's about popularity. It's about money. It's about getting an A-plus rating from the NRA. And it's not about saving American lives. Andrew Clyde is a perfect example of that. Um, I, I just think that with the gun issue, it's more about the fact that we should have the right to bear arms. You should have the right to have as many guns as you want. And we can't always rely. You said that 67% of people support gun control. Was that the more comprehensive gun, more comprehensive gun background gun checks? checks. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <clears throat> I wanted to give it. I've got some stupid frog in my throat and like I oh, need to okay. like get it out and I, I can't <laughs> because I'm on the radio. And I keep trying to drink water, and make it go down. <clears throat> so forgive me. I really apologize. Okay. 67%. Well, you know what? 80% of Americans want voter ID. We don't necessarily have voter ID now, do we? Um, six, seven percent want more background checks. Uh, and if you ask the majority of P- Americans how they feel about, you know, something like Madonna's face right now. They're going to have, you know, comments about that. I don't necessarily say any of that matters all that much. I think at the end of the day, what matters more is looking at history. And I think history says you want to be able to have the right to bear arms. And I feel that I should, if I so desired, should have the right to bear arms. Um, I personally don't own a gun. No one in my family owns a gun, and I'm okay with that. But I don't feel the government should come in and say that I can't own one. And I think that's at the crux of what the issue is. And I think we sometimes get it very convoluted in ways that it shouldn't be. So uh, I, at the end of the day, I don't know that more background checks are going to change anything. I often remember there was a shooting... It was in Texas. It was a church shooting. Someone came into a church and shot up a bunch of people in the church. And the individual who did the church shooting was someone who was not, should not have been able to purchase a gun because he had been dismissed from the military negatively and had been associated with domestic violence. And so he should have been on that major database that would have said, this guy can't get a gun. And he was still able to legally buy a gun. So even when we put in these certain parameters in place to try to make things protected, Government fails us all the time. Background checks fail us all the time. And people in places like Chicago, where it is a completely gun-free zone, where you're not supposed to be able to get guns, there's more guns in Chicago than there are anywhere else. There's more guns in Chicago than there are in Las Vegas. So all of these rules would not necessarily change things because when you have massive acts of violence, it's because of something wrong in someone's heart, not because of a gun. Okay, so if uh, I disagree, if if someone in their heart wants to kill as many people as possible, we should make it as hard as possible for them to not be able to get their hands on, say, an AR-15 in regards to a, pi- a pistol. The October 1 shooter didn't have AR-15s, and he had other forms of weapons. I guarantee you lives would have been saved. So that would be uh, number one for me. Number two, you did talk about voter ID, and you're right, 80%, I guess 80% of people going by that statistic want uh, someone to have a, a form of ID to vote. That's not going to kill somebody. Uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people die every day, uh, not every day, but uh, every year in this country at the hands of gun violence. Mass shootings are up. Uh, while voter ID is an important issue, uh, we're not having mass shootings where, you know, over 60 people are getting killed because someone uh, voted without an ID. Um, this is a very important issue. And, um, you know, uh, when we talk about the Second Amendment, 
Republicans want to claim that Democrats want to take your guns away. There is a difference between the government saying you can't own a gun and the government saying you can't own this gun. Democrats do not want to say you don't have the right to own a gun if you're not a felon. I've never heard one prominent Democrat ever make a statement like that (laughs) because that would be a ridiculous statement. And that is not the way the overwhelming majority of Democrats feel in this country. Um, Me personally... I want you to be able to own a gun, Michelle. I'd like you to be trained on how to use that gun. If you're going to buy a gun, that's a whole nother conversation. But I think everybody should have the right to own a gun to defend themselves. The argument that I make is you don't need an AR-15, which is a weapon of war, which was only built for one reason and one reason only, to kill as many people as possible in a short period of time. So I would say, with all due respect, the type of gun that you're using will be relevant in if you have a madman picking up that pistol wanting to kill a lot of people. Uh, I would rather them not have a gun at all, of course. But AR-15s, we saw what happened on October 1. Uh, Mass carnage. Those guns should only be able to be used by our brave men and women in uniform and by law enforcement. And again, I go back to proof. Proof is in the pudding. You go into the 90s and, and, and when they banned these assault weapons and it saved lives and Republicans allowed it, uh, to expire. Let me ask you this question because I agree with you. Like, uh, um, when you watch violent shows, whether that be like Squid Game or Alice in Borderland, you see people being shot with like AR-15s and just the mass casualty that you can have with it. You're like, oh, my God, I don't want anything like that near me. But what if we ever came to a place in this country, which, of course, we are not in right now. But what if we ever came into a place in this country where all of a sudden someone was elected or in power mm-hmm. who was a totalitarian dictator mm-hmm. like Hitler was? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden Thought you were going to say Ron DeSantis. I'm sorry. And um, <laughs> wanted to do Hitler-esque type things where yes. all of a sudden he's like, oh, yeah, none of y'all can have guns, but the government can't. And the government all of a sudden is trying to do something bad. I know it's hard for us as Americans who live in this free country where these things never happen to imagine that. But you would hate to be in that situation that so many Germans were in that all of a sudden they didn't have any guns. The government did. And the government all of a sudden started telling you things that even the Germans were like, hey, I don't like this, but I have to agree with it because I don't want to die. So, I mean, why? I know that we're not in this place, but that's the fear. I mean, that's why the forefathers who built this country wanted to make sure that we had those types of freedoms so that there wasn't a totalitarian type regime who could take over and, and, and rule over you in a way that you would not want to be ruled like the kings did or like Hitler did. So why would you want to give that up? And why would you be so trusting? You hate Donald Trump. You probably think he's a totalitarian dictator. So things can change so quickly. Things can change with one leadership. Things can change with a certain type of president. Things can change so quickly. Why would you want to give up your right to bear arms? Well, first of all, I would say there are laws in this country. And if a president uh, decides to go that route, he's going to be outed out of office pretty soon. There are uh, laws put forth in this country. So if a president decides to go AWOL, he is, he's outed. That would be number one. Number two, that's a, a pretty extreme scenario that I don't see ever happening in this country. Uh, and I certainly wouldn't want to allow... The, the carnage to continue and, and lives lost every day and more mass shootings every day uh, and let that happen in fear of, geez, maybe one day we're going to have Adolf Hitler run the United States of America. Well, then just historically speaking, just so you know, most democracies fail in around 200 years. 
So uh, so we're already at the point where democracies begin to fail. And when you look at the greatest of empires and when they began to fail, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I pray to God that it doesn't happen here. But there is no guarantee that uh, 100 years from now, 200 years from now, America will be the America that it is today. There's no well, guarantee. I, I, just, I just don't think that would be a reason to allow uh, weapons of war on the streets and our innocent people to die every day at the hands of these guns that are used by so many of these mass shooters. If you're going to talk about democracy and, uh, you know, then I would say, well, look at what happened on January 6th. Look at that attempt at a coup. Um, that was the first real serious attack on our democracy since I've been alive and I'm 42 years old. Uh, but even that, you know, couldn't be overcome because a bunch of people might have some AR-15s. Um, no, I don't think like that. Um, I'm not in fear that, you know, the next Adolf Hitler is going to take over this country. Um, even if Ron DeSantis takes over the country, I'm not going to have that way of thinking, even though I think he is in some cases a wannabe dictator. I feel the same way about Donald Trump, but, uh, I'm not going to be saying to myself, well, we should let everybody have whatever weapon they want just in case the government decides to take over. Uh, I'm not in fear of that, to be honest with you. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I'm more concerned about all the uh, gun violence we have in this country today, the mass shootings we have in this country, the types of weapons that are used in these mass shootings that these 18-year-olds seem to get their hands on, which I find despicable. Um, that's where my concern is right now. Uh, we're not going to end all the gun violence overnight. That's never going to happen. We're not going to get all the illegal guns off the streets. That's not going to happen. But I don't believe we can just throw our hands in the air and say, hey, bad people are going to be bad people. They're going to find a way. We need to make it uh, more difficult. Get these guns off the streets, not all guns. That's, again, red meat put forth by a lot of commentators on the right that want to make you think that Democrats want to abolish the Second Amendment and take all of your guns away. And that is a farce and that is a lie. And that's not what Democrats have ever said. Um, so that's not going to happen. I just find we're in a day and age right now and going back to this buffoon, uh, Andrew Clyde, where and it happens more on the right than on the left, an infatuation and a fetish when it comes to guns. We as a country are infatuated with guns, and I don't understand it. Other countries don't have this problem. They don't have the mass carnage that we have in this country. Why? It's not because, you know, I'll hear from a lot of people on the right, oh, mental illness, we're not doing enough to help mentally ill, and that might be true, but there are mentally ill people all over the world. Why is it that we have this problem here? I'll tell you why. Because we have more guns than people. This country... People are obsessed with their guns. There are no proper training put forth, mandatory training on how to use a gun. An 18-year-old who is a senior in high school, a senior in high school who is not even allowed to drink yet, is allowed to walk into a gun store, can buy five AR-15s and 100,000 rounds of ammunition. I don't want to live in a country like that. Changes need to be made, but they won't be made. Unless people on the right show just a little bit of fortitude and courage and agree, hey, we have a serious problem here. Maybe we should go back to what we were doing in the 90s because, hey, look at the stats. It seemed to work. People don't want to talk about that. And that's my frustration. I'm saying this because I don't want to take guns away from good people. I want to take weapons of war away from everybody except law enforcement and brave men and women in uniform. That's not the only thing that would help. I think we need stronger background checks. We need red flag laws put on the books. We need to enforce our laws that are already on the books. That's also an issue. We do need to do a better job dealing with those who are mentally ill. There's a lot of other things we can do to help, but this is one of the important issues that I talk about. And when you have a guy like Andrew Clyde passing out AR-15 pins while he's allowed to do that, uh, it sends the wrong message. 
proud to be an AR-15 holder. You know, and, and meanwhile, this is the weapon of choice for so many of these mass shooters out there. I wonder if Georgia's very own Andrew Clyde would show up to a hearing victims of a mass shooting and would offer them pins, AR-15 pins. I wonder if he would do that. No, he's a coward. He only does it to his Republican counterparts because it's red meat for the Republican Party. We need to start thinking like compassionate people. I know there are some Republicans that are compassionate, not Andrew Clyde. This is about compassion. Um, gosh, we just had another mass shooting, and, it, and it's just it, every week we're talking about mass shootings in this country. And it's, it's, it's frustrating because I've been talking about this on the radio for a long time. And, um, you know, people want to talk about their First Amendment right, freedom of speech and Second Amendment rights when they don't even know that freedom of speech pertains to the government. And then they want to talk about their Second Amendment rights. And, and what does that mean? You just want everyone to be able to carry an AR-15? Um, there has to be some middle ground here. And I hope Joe Biden talks a little bit about this tonight. I hope it's not just your typical talking points. I hope he talks about gun control, not just the accomplishments, but what more needs to be done. And, and I'll be interested to hear about that today. He'll talk about the balloon. He'll talk about, you know, the economy. He'll talk about how gas prices are going down. I'm sure he's going to talk about all that stuff. I hope he talks about gun control. I, I hope he talks about the mass shootings. I hope he talks about the border. I really do, because that's also an issue. I hope he talks about fentanyl, what I believe took my sister's life. I hope he talks about all the illegal drugs that are crossing the border. I hope he talks about better border security. I hope he doesn't say that it's not a crisis because it is. You know, not everything I agree with when it comes to the Biden administration. There are things on the right, uh, some things that are talked about that I do agree with. He should talk about the border. There are a lot of things that he should talk about today that he might not talk about, but we'll, you know, we'll see. Right. We'll give him a chance. See, at least I will. Let's see what he has to talk about. Let's see what's in that speech. And um, there are a lot of very serious issues that are still facing this country. One of them, gun control. The border is an issue as well. It's interesting. This is, these are stats from January of 2009 to December of 2015. But these stats are showing that the death rate per million people from mass public shootings from 2009 to 2015, Norway comes in at number one, Serbia number two, France number three, Macedonia four, Albania, Slovakia, Switzerland, <coughs> Finland, Belgium, Czech Republic, U.S. coming in as number 11. The U.S. population is so large that our mass shootings seem to, <clears throat> as this is saying, that our population is so dense that the mass shootings seem um, to be more effectual and that you're having them more and more because these other European countries where there's more gun control, they might be less frequent. But when you look at per pap by population, they're far more deadly in places like Norway, Serbia, France, et cetera, et cetera. Very interesting. Of course, those are numbers that are dated back as far as December 2015. It would be interesting to see if I could find yeah. more recent data. So the numbers have been, uh, so the numbers as I've looked at them have, re uh, have been climbing and climbing and climbing. I don't doubt that. I'm just saying it, and, that's interesting statistics. So. And when you look at how many guns we have in this country, we have more guns in this country than any country in the world. Um, more guns than people. Um, and those numbers have continued to climb. You know, we started that mass shooting. I think people started to be aware more of mass shootings after Columbine. And that was many, many years ago. I believe yeah. that was 20, maybe 22, 23 years ago or something like, I don't know. 20, 20 years ago. It was a long time ago. 
And uh, these school shootings, uh, they don't seem to have these problems across the world like that we have here, uh, especially in our schools with our children. Um, you know, there are some things that happen here that or that happen in other countries that don't seem to happen here is quite frequent. And, and I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up, uh, Michelle, because my heart goes out to the good people, uh, Turkey and Syria. Mm. As, as we speak right now, Michelle, workers in freezing temperatures are having to use their bare hands to dig through remains of buildings flattened by this powerful earthquake. Uh, the death toll soared above 7,200, and that is expected to rise. Um, you know, I remember I was watching, um, I believe I was watching the World Series, the Dodgers, with my grandmother at the time, my late grandmother, who I miss very much every day. And uh, that's when that earthquake took place, if you remember, in L.A., the L.A. earthquakes. And um, Well, I lived through the uh, earthquake of 89 when the Battle of the Bay was going on. Right, right. I was a little kid. I knew there were some classmates were at the Battle of the Bay at the time. That's when the Bay Bridge collapsed. That's when right. the Embarcadero collapsed. That was a 6.9 earthquake. This was a 7.8. Yes. That is extremely powerful. Huge yeah. earthquake. Yeah. And Turkey, I've been to Turkey. Um, because the buildings are so old— um, I imagine many of them did not have the earthquake structures that, you know, in San Francisco, where I grew up, we thought we were so secure for earthquakes that when that happened in 89 and all of a sudden the Embarcadero and the Bay Bridge collapsed, you know, we were shocked. Like, we're like, wait a minute, we're San Francisco. This isn't supposed to happen. I don't think Turkey has quite the same things in place. But regardless, whether it's a 6.9 or a 7.8, when you're in earthquakes of that magnitude, um, they can be absolutely devastating. What's happening in Turkey and Syria right now is absolutely devastating. Um, The rebuilding that's going to have to happen in that country, the people who are screaming to be safe. Saved, and they just don't even have the ability to save those people. I cannot even imagine. The worst earthquake I've ever been in was that one when I was a little girl um, at, at, at 89. I remember all the water mm-hmm. came out of our pool. Like all of the water that was in the pool was now in the backyard. Yeah. That, that's, um, and I remember not you know, knowing where our dad, where our dad was. Like, I was in the stratosphere, by the way. This was like maybe before the pandemic four years ago, uh, when we had those earthquakes and the NBA summer league had to, uh, uh, postpone one of its games when we had one of those earthquakes and the room was shaking and I was in the stratosphere, which when you think of an earthquake, that's probably not the building you want to be in. <laughs> Definitely um, not. No, and I was freaking out. I was with some friends of mine. We were at the comedy club, and we were kind of freaking out a little bit. That was very, very scary. Um, this is horrible. My heart goes out to these these good people and, and the suffering that they are going through right now. I think about the word infrastructure, and I think about Syria, Turkey, their infrastructure, not like the U.S., uh, I mean, while, it's so old. Well, if we had a 7.8 <laughs> yeah. earthquake here, that would cause mass carnage. I'm not sure it caused the same as what's going on in Turkey and Syria right now. Actually, that's not necessarily true. So Nevada's not necessarily built for earthquakes. If Nevada there was actually, right. if there was a massive earthquake on a fault that hit here, we could be in a lot of trouble here. Yeah. Well, Th- Nevada that, would, that, that's true. Nevada would be in some trouble. And sure. because, uh, because of where I grew up, they always say that in the Hayward fault back up in the Bay Area, if like a big one ever hit yeah. on the Hayward fault, uh, which would be like Dublin, Danville, kind of like where I'm from, that it would be very, very devastating. Yeah. Don't know if it's true. Thank God. Never happened. Yeah. Well, let's hope that uh, we never have to deal with that in this country, what uh, these poor people in Turkey and Syria are having to go through Amen. right now. Uh, you know, some of the officials down there are mm-hmm. saying they could hear voices underneath the rubble, which I means know. some of them are still alive. Uh, um, what was that um, apartment complex, that uh, that high rise that went down in it- Florida? 
Oh that. God, that that was everybody died in yeah, that one. That was, oh uh, God, that was really. That's what's so interesting. The way the rubble collapsed in Turkey, yeah. people are alive, yeah, and they're screaming for help, but there's just no way for anyone to get to them, and that it's was, so freaking cold. I was watching a journalist this morning, and he was like, "It's cold. There's no gas. There's no electricity, and we're freezing." Yeah, that that reminded me of of uh, uh, the. Uh, situation that's going on in Turkey and Syria a little bit just that you're, you're trying to hear voices and you might hear a voice and you're trying to get all this rubble out and those people are gone and it's just it's just it's horrible it's sad horrible. so my thoughts go out to horrible. to those great people there that are suffering right now uh, in Turkey and Syria all right Michelle another show on the rack uh, uh, done uh, on the rack so to speak and tomorrow Michelle I know we're gonna have a lot to talk about uh, when it comes to what Joe Biden has to say tonight <laughs> yes. that's right we are gonna we are going to break it all down for you tomorrow, Michelle. Thank you so much for being here, as always. We yes. appreciate it. Good to see you. Good to be back. And, uh, well, that's it, folks. That's a wrap. And uh, we will see you same time, same place tomorrow. I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in and joining us on social media everywhere. And uh, we will catch you tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Yeah.